Hi, thanks for joining us on Hometown to Hollywood. This is Bonnie Wallace, author of Top Hollywood Acting Teachers, Young Hollywood Actors, and The Hollywood Parents Guide. And today my guest on this episode of the podcast is actor Patrick Fabian. Patrick is truly a career actor working steadily for over 20 years, primarily in television. He's best known for his roles in Better Call Saul, Big Love, Veronica Mars, The Last Exorcism, Must Love Dogs, and Star Trek Voyager. Recent guest stars include Lucifer, Code Black, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Grimm, Scorpion, The Newsroom, Longmire, Castle, and Scandal. Patrick also played my daughter Dove's father in the Disney Channel original movie, Cloud Nine. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Boy, when you say, sound, say it like that, it sounds like I've done a whole lot. It sounds like I'm, I'm much older than I think I am. <laughs> well, as we all know, you know, sometimes a guest star role just takes a week, so. <laughs> Been busy, it seems. <laughs> so when did you know that you wanted to be an actor? Was there somebody who inspired you? You know, the arts have always uh, been uh, in my brain. You know, I, you say that, I'll give you the real response is uh, the Beatles. And, and that's because, and for those of you who are young enough who maybe don't know the Beatles, a really very big rock and roll band from the 60s. And they came of age in the 60s when my aunts and uncles did. And they bought all those albums when they were like 12 and 13 years old. They got bored with the Beatles around 1970 and gave me their entire collection. So I got an entire collection of original Beatle albums given to me when I was about 11 and I put that music on and it just unlocked my little brain. Uh, it was magical to hear that pour over me. And, uh, you know, it made me think of the possibility of wanting to create something that made me feel like that made me feel. And so consequently I got drawn to music. I started playing piano. I started playing guitar. I started playing trombone in elementary school. So music became the thing. And then musicals up into high school uh, and then plays, so the whole idea of going into the theater, creating a story, being part of something bigger than yourself, a group effort, all of those things attracted to me. I mean, it's very much like athletes uh, in terms of we have a goal and uh, we're all going to pull together. We're all going to know what our parts are and then we're going to put this thing on. The only difference is for the theater and for uh, in concerts, you know, just like Primitive Man, they would like turn the lights down in the audience. The lights would come up on the performers and then we would tell a tale sing a song, do something, and it would affect the audience. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but I love that thrill and I love that connection of being a part of it. So, you know, I, I wasn't sure about whether you could actually like make a living at it or do it for real. I was, you know, I'm from central Pennsylvania, very suburban area. Nobody I knew had done something like that. Um, so, you know, I'm talking to my parents about wanting to move to New York and become a trombonist in a pit band in a Broadway show. That was my big goal. And of course, my parents, my parents who were the first people to ever go to college from their respective families were rightly appalled, absolutely appalled that their son wants to run away and be a musician. Um, and then I decided I wanted to be an actor. So the only way I could go, you know, I, what's worse, a musician or an actor? <laughs> I, it's a real toss up. <laughs> Yeah, it really is a toss-up. And, you know, but I, I wanted to give it a try. And because at that point in my life, I guess it was your original question, what inspired me? What inspired me was when I saw stories, when I heard music, when I, when I saw people perform, when I myself got a chance to perform, uh, even at a rudimentary level, in, in elementary school bands, in, in terrible, terrible musicals in, in middle school. You know, there's those kids who like that, 
and those kids who don't. And I liked it. I, I liked being on stage. I, I didn't have a problem people looking at me. I was pretty articulate. I took direction well, although I'm sure my, my band directors would love to, you know, hear that, you know. And, and so I wanted to follow it. And God bless my parents. My parents, you know, and I think of you often in this as well, because, you know, Bonnie, I watched you with, uh, with Dove in her first Disney movie on Cloud Nine, plug, 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 where I played her father, plug, plug. It's a great and, um, movie. <laughs> great movie. And the way you were, uh, I don't want to use the word handle because that, that, that implies something. Off. The way you and Dove interacted with one another as parent and artist, and a young artist in particular, I always found inspirational. And I, and I you know, I said to you before the interview, and the proof is how Dove has turned out as well. Um, my parents didn't know anything about show business, but they weren't going to deny me the opportunity to do it. And so uh, they suggested that I go to college. They suggested I go to college for two reasons. One, uh, they heard that you could actually learn the craft at school. And two, without a doubt, my parents thought, yeah, my 17-year-old son is going to change his mind. So let's get him to a school. And in six months, he'll be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or any of that. And so they gave me the blessing to, to pursue it, I think, thinking like, well, there's no way he's ever going to do this. And as it turned out, going to school was the best thing in the world. And, and I guess if there's any advice right out of the gates to anybody who wants to get into business on whatever level, whatever age you are, I suggest going to school. Uh, that school could be class. School could be online. But I believe that it is a craft. And the craft can be learned and should be learned. I'm not saying you can't get rich and famous just by sort of doing a thing. But for me, all my heroes, uh, they were trained. They're trained actors. It is a craft. And so going to school gives you the opportunity to do that. I went to Penn State University, which is a giant university. No, not the institution of learning in Philadelphia. This is the one that has the football team. Um, and it's great. I had a four-year college experience that was just fantastic. And I was part of uh, I was part of the theater company and they had a graduate program, which means there was older kids, you know, 22 and 23. And then there was an undergraduate program. And so what I did was I went to class and I learned about voice. I learned about movement and I learned about reading plays and how to break down scripts. And I did scene work. And then for the main stage productions that they would have at the university, because, you know, I was a freshman and a sophomore in college, I held spears. I, I made costumes, I built sets, I hung lights, I held spears in some of the great Shakespearean plays and watched the older kids have all the lines. You know, I got a couple of lines here and there. Uh, and it was a great experience to remind, uh, to, and I look back on that a lot is because it, it, it flows into a couple of things. Um, it, you don't always have the spotlight on you. And in order for a production to work, everyone has to sort of, and, and I say know their place, and that has a bad connotation. You have to know their role. Everyone's important. They, you know, that whole adage of like, there are no small roles, I think is absolutely true. So the value that I got being on stage, holding a spear, watching the person do the Hamlet soliloquy was that I got to watch how they did it. And by the way, FYI, later on when I had a class and I did a Hamlet soliloquy, I stole from Chris Foster because Chris Foster really had something going on in my 18-year-old mind. And so when I was working on it as a 27-year-old guy in class here in Los Angeles, I remembered seeing that and I thought, well, Chris isn't around. So I stole some of his things and built it up. And, and it was a great thing of like, we're all in this together to make the production work. And so, uh, you know, I won't say I'm humble, but I'll say having humility, I recognize intellectually is a very good component in order to be in this business, in order to have a life in the arts. 
It's not always going to be about you. And so undergraduate school was great about that. And I love that. I love the spirit of it. I also recommend to anybody who's like, I'm not sure. Um, you know, a university was a great place for me in case I had changed my mind. It's a great place to go and, and still experience, uh, you know, life the way sort of everybody else does, uh, but still be in something that's rather particular because, you know, I didn't have time to, you know, rush a fraternity and I didn't get involved with a lot of extra things because my fraternity was the theater arts. You know, we were a theater troupe and we did stuff and you, you know, you fall in love and uh, you learn how to sew a bodice and you learn that, that a nail gun shouldn't be used if you're not paying attention, you know, all that stuff. It's really, really fantastic. And, um, and then, so, you know, I, I'm what, uh, 21 and I've gotten a bachelor of fine arts at Penn state. Fantastic. Isn't that wonderful? You know, my parents were still like, what are you going to do with that? How do you get a job? I'll rewind real quick. Two things. When I got to college, when I was a freshman, um, we took a course it was theater 101. Helen Manful was the, was the, uh, the teacher at the time. And she is still alive at Penn state. And she's professor emeritus at this point. And I sat in there in a class. It was a basic theater class. So everybody in the university would take it to check off their, their arts requirement. And I sit down in the class and there's probably about 300 of us. It's a very, very big class. And uh, the teacher gets up and starts speaking. And then all of a sudden these people start like yelling at her. And then there's a fight break. A fight breaks out. First day of school, a fight breaks out. They get into a fist fight on the stairwell and then they run them out of there. And it's, we're like, what is going on? And then the professor invites those people back in. They were actors. They were part of the graduate program. And she immediately said, that is the power of performance. That wow. is the power of an actor. Exactly. And wow. I was like, hooked. <laughs> totally hooked. I'm like, I want to be that. She also, at that point, this is 30 years ago, seemed as old as the desert. And she had more life and childlike quality about her, wonder and, and inquisitiveness. And she gave, she was the first adult that I really saw that gave me permission to be like, oh, I can, I can do this for my life. She showed me that you could be a, a functioning adult who was married and had a house. And she was still in the arts and she was playing. She was all about the fantasy and the what if. And I thought, oh, I want more of that. The other thing is, um, a couple of weeks later, I was sitting in a class where uh, Bill Kelly, who was a professor there, he um, smoking in front of us, smoking in front of us in the theater. We were like, what are you doing? This is 30 years ago, but nonetheless, it was still, even I understood, this is not a good example. He was smoking camel lights and he had a, a Zippo lighter that he kept flinging. And there was probably about 100 of us sitting there. And he said, he gave us the paper chase speech for those of you who are familiar with that. And basically it's, he said, you know, look to your right. That person will be gone in, in a couple of weeks. Look to your left. That person will fail out, you know, in the next month. Look below, below you and above you. And, and if you're lucky, one of you out of this group of 100, one of you may at some point pay your rent as an artist. That's about as much as I can give you. And I sat there, and I'm sure everybody else did, and I thought, right, that's going to be me. Hi. With the entertainment industry changing every day, I'm continuing to work to be a source of inspiration and information in your life. As it's been for five seasons and over 120 episodes, the Hometown to Hollywood podcast will be there for you. Now, I'm asking you to be there for us. The podcast has been a labor of love for years, and now I'm asking if Hometown to Hollywood's been a friend to you, if it's helped, educated, and inspired you, 
please become a supporter of the podcast. For only $5 a month, the price of a latte, you can become a friend of the podcast and help me afford to continue to do the work that you've come to depend on for honest, insightful interviews that shed light on how to succeed in the entertainment industry. If you can afford it, pitch in $10 a month and become a good friend of the podcast. Your support helps supplement the people who can only give $5 a month. Join now. Just go to hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. That's hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. And in just two clicks, you can have access to the complete version of this incredibly informative conversation, as well as each upcoming episode and the entire collection of over 120 past episodes. If you can't afford $5 a month to subscribe, the first 10 minutes of every episode will still be available for free. Subscribers get the full episodes delivered right to their inbox. Thank you. I appreciate your support, and I can't wait to share the exciting upcoming conversations with you. Meanwhile, if you could use some one-on-one -on -one coaching, invest in a video consultation session with me. Just go to hometowntohollywood.com and click on the consultation page. In 60 or 90 minutes, you can get peace of mind and a detailed action plan. Remember, the future belongs to those who believe in their dreams.